This podcast does use some rude language and explores adult themes. You've been warned. Welcome to Don't Be a Fuckwit, a self-help podcast for those who don't understand the widely accepted social norms. In recent years, we've witnessed the rise of the fuckwit. They've stepped out of the shadows and proudly presented themselves, making the world an infinitely worse place. But there is hope. This podcast will highlight examples of fuckwittery, raise awareness and aim to curb their behaviour, thereby making the world a better place for everyone. This isn't just a one-sided scream at life's idiots. We also endeavour to better understand fuckwits and why they behave the way they do. Helping me through this fuckwit journey today, broadcaster, comedian, author, podcaster, legend, Michelle Laurie. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm very well and wonderful to be working with you after we, God, what did we do? Five, six years on the project together? Yeah, didn't we? What a lucky jag. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was. It was, it, it was lucky to be just put on the same night together and, yeah. and to stay there for a long time. What fun. It was a great team. We were mm. with Waleed and Georgie Coughlin. Yeah, Waleed. What a nice one. It was a real highlight of the week. Yeah. Our Fridays together. But that came to an end, as all good things do. Mm. <laughs> now, Michelle, how do you feel about fuckwits? Uh, look, I'm, I'm not a fan <laughs> right. uh, in general. Yeah. As a Buddhist, I should treat them as an opportunity to practice. That's the official line oh. <laughs> of, uh, hey. of my people is, look, just try and think to yourself, what a great opportunity you are as, as a dead set fuckwit for me mm. to apply the practice and to really just get stuck fair into it. And I try that. I yeah. try to remember that at all times, but I don't always succeed. One of the great frustrations uh, with these people is their mm. lack of self-awareness. Well, that's sort of the definition, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, the Urban Dictionary says uh, a, it defines a fuckwit as a person who is not only lacking in a clue, but apparently unable or unwilling to acquire a clue. Mm. Yeah. Even when it's handed to them on a plate in generous portions. Yeah. And may I say too that I love sort of dancing around the word and turning it into, you know, a verb, an adjective. Yes. I love, I love fuckwitted. Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mad for that. What a fuckwitted <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yeah. What a, what, a, what a great example of fuckwittery. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yep. Yes. Mad for that. Uh, and it tends another defining feature is that, you know, life is a team sport. We all need to work together. So true, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not, You're it's in a team it. sport. They tend to run a solo game. Oh, my word. And mm. and it's infuriating. Do you feel like there are more of them around today than there have been in the past? Do you feel like there's been a resurgence or a rise of them in recent like, years? I heard you say that in the intro and I thought, geez, I don't know. The 1930s had a fair bit of fuck with <laughs> about it, didn't it? <laughs> yes. Fair bit. <laughs> Oh, well, look. Ask the polls in about 1939 and they would have said, I don't know, there's a yeah. a few fuckwits have just stormed in here. You could, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you could speak to the Christians back. Oh, good yeah, point. A few thousand years ago. I mean, speak yeah. to the Muslims around about the time of the um, the Great Crusades and yeah. they would have told you, oh, have you, have you copped a load of them? <laughs> there's a, f I mean... So uh, whether or not there yeah. are more than before, I, I don't. I think that's up for debate. It's true. You know, have you ever heard anyone say, I'm not going to have kids because I don't want to bring anyone into this 
world. I know. I love that attitude. <laughs> Why? Because you're scared you're going to create another one? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and I think to myself, this is the best time to be alive, even though you look around and because of all the things we've just mentioned. Yeah. Would you point. rather be went back in the well, black death? Imagine if they all just went, wow, this, I'm not bringing a kid into this world. Because uh, uh, my whole family just died <laughs> on the footpath. Um, I think that's easy for us to say, Leems. This is the best sure. time to be alive for us. For us. G'day. Hi from Australia. Yeah. I mean, I'm, well, there are certainly some people who aren't enjoying it no. uh, right now. And uh, what about yourself, Michelle? Have you been... A fuck with yourself Never. at any... <laughs> nope. Nope. Next question. <laughs> Why? Have you ever observed me being... No, I, no, I haven't. Okay. I, but I know that I, I like to consider myself a pretty decent person, but I know I can slip into... No, not you. You know what I say about you. <laughs> you... I, do, I do know what you say yes. about me, yes. There is no one who <laughs> ever has ever had a bad word to say about Lemo. Right. Anthony well, Lemo well, Lehman, well, you are everyone's well, favourite human and... No, you have yeah. never. I should ring your wife before I say this, but I yeah. am sure <laughs> that you've never been a fuckwit. Um, there are plenty of moments across most weeks you could ring my wife. No she would, way. She, she would give you some examples. No, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> Let's go to our first segment. All right. Coming to you live from an undisclosed location, this is I on Fuckwits. <laughs> One of my pet hates is people stealing our dog's ball at the park. Do they do that? Yes. No, yes. not not humans. Dogs do. Oh, dogs steal bunnies' ball. Yes, and then oh. the owner of that dog can't get the ball back. Oh. <laughs> it's infuriating. Yeah, that can happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how often people will say things like, huh, good luck getting that back. I've had that, <laughs> I've had that one. Oh, right. All right. Yeah. Uh, I've also had, uh, oh, sorry, my dog just loves balls. <laughs> well, did you maybe think about getting your dog a ball? If your dog loves balls oh. that much. I even had one person say to me, you know what? I'd suggest you don't bring balls to the park. Oh, yeah. wow. Because they're just going to get stolen by other dogs. They're just surrendering to their own dog's the, terrible behaviour. Yeah, exactly. So after, oh, we had a str- after we had a string of balls thieved at the park, and the balls cost 12 bucks each. We get them uh, at a bad pet stock. Well, they- you're a wanker. <laughs> I know. What's wrong with a tennis ball? Well, because they're great rubber balls and the dog loves them and they would last forever if they weren't thieved. Okay. All right. It's actually good value for money. And uh, <laughs> well, it, it, well, it would well, be, except it's not. <laughs> so we had three stolen and then I said to my wife, and this is right in the heart of lockdown when people were going, yeah. I said to my wife, I'm going to start charging for them now. <gasps> and Kel goes, What? And I said, I'm going to start charging for them. I love that. And she goes, well, how much? I said, 10 bucks to get a $2 discount, right? So when they go, good luck getting that back, yeah. you go, fine, but that's 10 bucks. Yes. So I go, sure enough, I go back to the park. Ball is thieved by this guy. And I say, your dog's got my, your dog's, got my dog's ball. And he goes, oh, he's really apologetic. He said, I'll get it back. And he starts chasing his dog around the park. His dog's name was Damien, by the way, which is not a dog <laughs> what, name. What breed was Damien? Uh, Damien was like a groodle. Oh, sad, pathetic dog. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? You can't get a ball off? You can't get a ball off a, a groodle. groodle. And he's, ch- he's going, Damien, hit da- Damien, right? He's not like an American pit bull. Like you can get the ball off the groodle. <laughs> exactly. You would have thought. He's not going to maul you. The but dog did not get any closer to him over the course of about 20 minutes. He's just chasing around yelling, Damien. It was pathetic. And I said, in the end, he goes, sorry, I just can't get it back. And I said, well, what happens when you leave the park? Does the dog go with you? <laughs> 
when you leave the park. Yeah. Surely if you walk to the edge of the park, or does the dog live here and you come and visit it every day? Or does he like live in an apartment somewhere else, (laughs) Damien? And you meet at the park each day. So he can't get it back. And I had to leave. So I said, well, we're charging for him now. Oh. And he goes, what? (laughs) And I said, yeah. He goes, how much? I said, 10 bucks. They cost 12. You get a $2 discount. And he looks at me and he goes, are you serious? And I go, yeah. I still can't believe I did this. So he pulls out his wallet. He had one twenty dollar note in his wallet, right? And he said, "That's all I've got." And I go, "That'll do." <laughs> <laughs> and did he give it to you? And I, I, yes, and I took Shit, it. Eh? And I got home. My wife lost it. She sent me straight back to the park to find the guy. She did. And he wasn't there. And then I went back to the park every day for about a week. And eventually, I saw him at the park. And I walked up to him. And in this. Because at the beginning, I was convinced I was doing the right thing. But I'd surveyed a number of people over the course of that week who all agreed that I was being a fuckwit. Right? Oh. Uh, and I saw the guy at the park and I went up to him and uh, I handed over the $20. I didn't, I didn't say anything, right? I walked up and he just stood there and stared at me and I stared at well, the Well, he end. was afraid. So, I mean, you do know that, right? He was afraid? Oh, yeah. Do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, anyway, so I handed, you know, you know that look Chris Rock had just at that last <laughs> moment. Yeah, that that yeah. Oh, that look. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I was. I Will Smith to his Chris yeah. Rock in the. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So I hand the money back to him. He took. Hadn't said a word. He took it off me. But then he reached in his jacket pocket and pulled out the ball. Oh, yes. that's a beautiful story. And he then. gave the ball back to me, and I said, "I'm so sorry." I said, "I'm really sorry, mate. That was bang out of order." And he said, Gosh. "Yeah, it was pretty weird." Gosh, did you have, you know your moustache? Yeah. How big was it that day? <laughs> it was a full handlebar. Okay. On yeah. a scale of one to chopper, it was like. <laughs> it was chopper, full, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you do look menacing when you've got uh, the big right. mo. So maybe that was the. Part of yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, that's an example of me being a fuckwit right there. <sighs> I mean, I I think it's fun, to be honest. I, I would not have had your wife's reaction. I would have. I would have laughed and thought that's fun, mm. um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a loose goose. Right. <laughs> the best of times. I, but um, have you? Here's a solution. Ha, have you ever considered just just packing a packet of craft singles when you go to the park? I've never known a dog who oh, could resist a piece of cheese. That's such a good idea. I've never thought about that. I mean, I'm a problem solver. <laughs> who would have thought? I mean, I mean, you you make a really good point. Because a craft single will attract any dog in the world. They'll give up anything. Yeah. And uh, we often leave a craft single behind for our dog when we leave the house without it. Do you? Yeah. Because we feel bad. It's a very sensitive staffy. Yeah. That we've got. Um, when I got home the first day from taking that bloke's money and I went back to the park to give it back and he wasn't there. When I got home, my wife was on social media searching Limo Park, Limo, in case this guy had gotten home and oh. done a post about me being an asshole. Was that what she was most worried about, do you think? Your she image? was definitely worried about that. She was worried that the guy would recognise me yeah. and then put something <laughs> on social media about me taking $20 out of his wallet. I love it. Yeah. Um, have you come across any uh, fuckwits in the last few weeks? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, mm. as we know, they're everywhere. Yes. And I think COVID has uh, up the ante. Yeah. We're all crazy at the moment for some reason. I don't know why it's now. Post lockdowns, but mm. maybe it's because we're post lockdowns, but it's still surging and it's a weird time. Just yesterday, I got fuel mm. and um, then I got back in my car and I was punching in the address of where I had to go. Yes. And I heard behind me this car horn 
and I look in my rear vision mirror and this guy's like, come on, like uh, arms uh, aggressive, uh, like, uh, yes. what are you doing? What the fuck? <laughs> kind of attitude. And I was like, Jesus. And then I moved my car and as I looked around, completely empty. Every other petrol bay. Oh, it was empty. Empty, like 14 of them. Empty. And what is, so that means like probably seven of them yeah. are in the direction he wants. Yes, yes. Six others apart from the one I'm in. Yeah. But no, he needed my he needed one. Your... And he's like, come on! <laughs> he, was, he was deliberately what? being a dick. Was he there when you got back to your car? No, not even. Right, so you've jumped in and then he's come in behind you. So it's seconds. He's waited seconds. Oh, God, what an infuriate. Where's it? You know when people are like that, when people are tooting the horn in traffic yeah. and getting angry in traffic? I would love to do a study on why these people are in such a hurry. Yeah, well, they're not. Like, where, I mean, where, where are you off to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not that. Mm. It's just this because I can get to that point. I think we all can, and I'm conscious of. Hang on, woo, woo. You are not going to save a life. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one is going to die because you're, you know, minutes away. Mm. And sometimes I'm not even going to be late. I'm just like, uh, yeah, fed up. I am fed up with everyone's bullshit. <laughs> You're leaving too big a gap. Why are you leaving that gap? Why? You know, like. It's too. I've been tempted at lights before when someone leaves a big gap between them and the car in front of them to pull up next to those cars and reverse park into Into the gap. Into it. Like, (laughs) at a red light. I know. That's infuriating. It's because it's just weird and dumb. Yeah. Um, There being all those spare bowsers, but the guy choosing to be behind you. uh, You know, when you're at the cinema. Yep. And the cinema's almost empty. Mm. Yet people will come and sit right next to you. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? This cinema's empty. Or when you go to a restaurant and there's no one in the restaurant and the waiter sits you next to the only other two people in the restaurant. Yeah. But I'll what? say. I'll go, what's this about? So will I. Yeah. But <clears throat> I have to say, um, sometimes don't like overreact too quickly or don't react negatively too quickly because one time I was on a train mm. and a guy came and sat down right next to me and there were other seats. Yeah. And I was like, what? This is weird. And he was cracking on to me and it worked out really well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, so he, what, what, what? He was making a move. He was, he was making a move. Yeah, then, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it worked out really well. Okay. Yeah, so. Nice. So yeah. how did he, well, I'm curious now, what, how did he, what was his next so he sat next to you as move number one. What His was move next number two? move was hilarious. I sniffled and he went, oh, are you right? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he's, ang- he's angry and maybe crazy. Right. And because we both had our masks on, I, was, I said, oh, sorry, sorry. I, and I was like apologetic. And then yeah. from there he started making jokes. Right. And then we're just laughing, laughing. Really? He made me laugh the whole way home, yeah. Okay. Or home to his place. We didn't get any further. Great. Hey. Hey. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well done. Great work. Pandemic pickup. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a night before a lockdown. So again, everyone was crazy. Uh, carnival uh, carnival atmosphere. <laughs> right, okay. In Melbourne. So we knew the lockdown was coming. Was the lockdown at midnight that night? Yeah, it was one of those. Did you breach the lockdown by being getting home after midnight? No. No. I didn't get home till next day. Hey. But you know how, remember how Melbourne used to get, that's why they moved the lockdowns to like snap. We're locking down in 15 minutes, guys, so don't try and party. Don't even try and go out tonight. Because remember we started just going crazy. Yes. Carnival. 
thought we'd stay out till midnight and go nuts. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those nuts nights. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well done. Thanks. That's a good, that's a good, okay. So what, so don't overreact. If someone sits next to you when there's other spaces, oi, maybe, maybe the, that guy at the petrol station was trying to crack on. Oh, I'm an idiot. Maybe it was the same guy. Ah. It was, the, have you stayed in touch with your train guy? No. No. <laughs> He's blocked. There's a lot happened after okay. that, so. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's stuff a, happens. That's a, <laughs> Post carnival, you know. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, one of the things that frustrates me are people's inability to give a clean compliment. Now, what I mean by this, oh. I don't know if this is a uniquely Australian thing, because I sometimes think Australians get uncomfortable with compliments. Definitely, and accepting them as well is hard. Yes, and accepting them as well. So I'll, for example, finish a show, stand-up show, and someone will come up and they'll say, hey, I thought you were really funny tonight. I mean, my wife walked out, but I thought you were great. (laughs) And so, come on, just say the good bit, mate. Why are you saying the bad bit? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I don't normally like your cooking, but that was really nice. (laughs) Why why do people say the bad bit? Yeah. Just say the good bit. So that's one thing that annoys me. God, yeah. Good fuck with behaviour. Funny for a woman. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. Just say the good bit. Yeah, you don't have to say the bad bit. Yeah, uh, and also accepting compliment. You're right. Oh, thanks. I uh, don't uh, normally look this good. I just like I don't know what. It, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just yeah, like oh, yeah. I mean, not really. I don't really. <sighs> oh, this thing. Oh, it cost me ten dollars from Target. Yeah, Ooh. God. I mean, I'll probably fall apart when I wash it. <laughs> But yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, Thanks. Yeah. Uh, let's move into uh, politics in recent weeks. Uh, mm. Michelle Laurie, how do you feel about your um, your average evangelical preacher? Oh, optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian Houston, mm. Houston, uh, ScoMo's mate. Mm-hmm. No, they've hardly ever met. I, mean, I don't know what you're hardly. reading, but yeah. yeah, he was the founder of the Hillsong Church. Mm. Uh, it's Justin Bieber I feel for. I mean, he's got oh, enough. Oh, Biebs is a Hillsong guy, isn't oh, he? Oh, my word. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And his lovely wife, Hayley. And, mm. yes, they um, have been uh, mentored heavily by the good people of Hillsong. Oh, right. Okay. So I'm worried. Yeah. Well, he's uh, he's left in disgrace. Mm. Uh, Brian has apologised unreservedly to two women who complained about his inappropriate behaviour. Well, that's weird because Brian's been mentored heavily by his own dad. <laughs> Well, he's it's very dodgy. He left disgrace as well. <laughs> so just passing it down the line. Yeah. Uh, the first incident uh, detailed in the letter by Pastor Dooley involved inappropriate text messages sent to a female staffer. Mm. Uh, in an emotional video conference, Pastor Dooley said the texts were along the lines of, this is what I love, along the lines of, if I was with you, I'd like to kiss and cuddle you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> or words of that nature. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, words of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hillsong Global Board said Mr. Houston at the time was under the influence of sleeping pills, mm. upon which he had a, developed a dependence. Mm-hmm. He was off the rails. Oh. Well, uh, we've all been there, girl. We've, was, it, was it a carnival? <laughs> was it an night before lockdown? <laughs> exactly. Maybe. Uh, and then the second incident uh, was at a function in New, in New South Wales. Scott Morrison was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he met a woman who wasn't a member of the church in the foyer of the Pullman Hotel. Uh, it was after one of the conferences. And later that evening, Pastor Brian attempted to get into his room 
but didn't have his key and ended oh. up knocking on the door to the woman's room. Whoops-a-daisy. Perhaps wondering if the key was in her room. Perhaps. Uh, she or could she ring down to Recepo <laughs> or something like that? She opened the door and he went into his room. Uh, he went into her room? He went into her room. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, he said there was no sexual activity, but it was in the room for 40 minutes. Oh. Uh, he said that he had become disoriented following the consumption of anti-anxiety medication beyond the prescribed dose. Blimey, he was that anti-anxious, he was that confident <laughs> that he just swanned around her room for three quarters of an hour. And this was uh, mixed with alcohol. Oh. It's such a great business model, isn't it, the evangelical preacher? Because no matter what you do, you can beg for forgiveness mm. uh, and then just get your job back. Oh, look, are we being too judgmental? I mean, who among us hasn't had a big night on the, you know, anti-anxiety meds and wine? <laughs> Just had it. Just washed him down with a red and thought, I'm going to go visiting. And Nick knock, <laughs> see who's up around the Pullman. I mean, that's a lovely hotel. I, I wonder if her room was the one right next to his I or if so. he had to go to a different floor. Yeah, because there would have been other churches, you know, because it's a conference and he would have yeah. thought, oh, I don't want yeah. to talk to any of those losers. Uh, no. Who else is out and about? They're not going to give me any action because nah. I've been telling them. To not. Yeah, which floor, which floor are my crew on? I'll go to another one. Nick knock. He says he has no intention of retiring and still sees God's work ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. surely that's the best time. In a way, you sort of want your pastor to have had a big night mm. on the pills and the red. Nick knock on the other floor because I don't want him to be too perfect. In a way, that was always the problem with growing up Catholic, I, I thought, because I thought, listen, Sister Margaret, you're a terrific gal, and I get mm. that. However, how are you telling me about the boys over at St Mary's if you've never had the pleasure? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. You know? They, um, yeah. Yeah. You sort of want your preacher to – because I remember when I first started going to Buddha school, I, the, the best teacher was Eddie, and I still love Eddie, and I'm still in touch with Eddie. And in his classes in the beginners, you know, big, mm. to Buddhism, he would drop great little bon mots like, I remember one time when I was in prison – Oh, right, okay. And there was a real sense of a person who was on a journey Mm. and had discovered the spiritual life and how, you know, it had transformed his life. And so, look, to play devil's advocate, as it were, I think there's potentially something to, you know, I think you've got to experience life, haven't you, to then be able to say, and this is how spirituality. Okay, so maybe now Brian Houston will be better placed. To uh, do God's work, as he says. I guess, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. And going forward. To say, God, one night off chops in mm. this bird's room in the Pullman, thought, hang on, woo up. God, God. Woo had, trouble, up. had trouble explaining that one to the missus. And then I thought, <laughs> Jesus Christ, what do I do now? Yeah. And you won't believe it. He, he talked back. And, uh, and he and, said. And here I am today. You need a break, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Get, get off the sleeping pills. Get yeah. off the anti-anxiety meds. Yeah, take a break, have a meditate and see what happens. And don't lose your room key. Right. Uh, and maybe. here he is today. So maybe there's a path forward for Brian Houston. I'd like to think there's a path yeah, forward okay. for all of us, Leams. Well, of course, for all of us. It is. I do. I've got to say, though, the it just happens time and time again. The ones who preach it. Are the ones who don't deliver it. Nah, because it's so restricting. Yes. Try imagine trying to be that person oh. all the time. No. No wonder he's anxious. Yeah. I'm gonna take a Zanny. I'd be anxious oh. as well. I remember at boarding school we had to go to confession every week. Mm-hmm. Right? Because 
you know, the Catholic Church is big on you confessing your sins. Right. And being forgiven for your, you know, indiscretions. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm in year 10 at boarding, so I'm 14, <laughs> right? I know. And I had to go every week. I wanked. And we, End of. And we, but I didn't even do that because we slept in big open dormitories. You had a doona, didn't you? Well, I had a doona. Yeah, I wasn't brave enough to sneak one in in year 10, maybe in later years when oh. I got a bit of confidence <laughs> up. <laughs> but, right. then, but then even if I did have a wank, I wasn't going to say that to the priest. I was too embarrassed. Right. So me and my mates would have little brainstorm meetings and make up things. Yeah. What are you going to go with? Oh, I'm going to start a stole a pen. Oh. Okay. What are you going to do? I'll, uh, I'll just start with swearing. Yeah. And I didn't obey Brother Michael when he told me to get down to singing classes. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, well. And then you think, is that a sin that I'm making shit up in confession? Yeah. Like it was such a loop, wasn't it? It was just a loop. Yeah. I've lied in confession one time. And then you'd, and then you'd go in and you'd see the priest would go, Okay, oh, uh, well, that's uh, slow, like he's flicking through a, right? a, a ten hail Mary. He's as disengaged as, <laughs> as you are in yeah. the process. It's just this uh, weird. And to our fathers, yeah, and that'll clear that up. Okay, back into heaven. Boom. Oh, Thank you. Mm. Let's move on to sport, Michelle Laurie. I'm going to throw some names at you because sports stars become maligned very quickly. Yeah, look, I get that, but uh, I've, I've I've gained a lot of respect for sports stars over the years. I have to say. Uh, well, let me throw some names at you. To give me your very quick analysis, and then we'll discuss. Because a lot of people might say some of these people are fuckwits. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss it ourselves. Nick Kyrgios. Oh, look, great example. Yeah, definitely, definitely got a sort of edge of fuckwittery about him, and but also. Mm. An edge of greatness about him, I think. Um, yeah, I I got to say, I love Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, I love the colour and movement. Tennis for me can be very dull. And also, I think that oftentimes the the perceived fuckwittery is actually just a truth telling. Um, you know, open heartedness. I believe. Mm. And sometimes when he's arguing with a ref, he's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I think he's a great entertainer, and I think, but I just hate the way we jump on him and jump off him as a as a viewing public. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but we've got form in that regard. Yeah. Okay. What about Bernard Tomic? Oh, dead shit. <laughs> dead set. Just. Ugh. He he just doesn't have the redeeming features of Curios, no, does he? No, doesn't have the gravitas. Uh, yeah, Curios is an entertainer, but Tomic, particularly when he bangs on about how much money he has. <sighs> I just think, oh, you are an what was that? What Which show did he leave in hours? Was it uh, I'm a Celebrity? I'm a Celebrity, Get Me oh, Out of Here. Oh, mate. He said, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and he left the show, becoming only the <sighs> second person in the history of the show globally to leave the show mate. before you were punted. Do you know who the other person was? Yeah, was it Gemma Collins? No. No, not even. Johnny Rotten. Oh, mate, <laughs> eat the porridge and shut the fuck up. Just, you can't do that, mate. Come on. Uh, so that was Bernard Tomic. Mm. But, you know, Bill Clinton once said, uh, he was talking about international diplomacy when he said this, but it makes a lot of sense on a personal level. He said, nothing will change your opinion of someone like meeting them. Oh, so true. Right? And I have met Bernard Tomic. We filmed a thing for, uh, oh, God, what was it? It was for Mars, Mars, Mars bars, mm. and he was he was delightful. Okay, there you go. <laughs> he, was, he was delightful. Good to know. Uh, John McEnroe, wonderful, love yeah. him. Yeah, I've, always, always have, always love McEnroe. Now I I know what your answer is going to be here, but I want to hear it from you, Shane Warne. Oh, mate, don't you'll make me cry. He is just a Warne. It's interesting. I'd because I'd met Warne a few times, and 
I'd had that personal experience of him making you feel like you're the most special person in the world. Yep. I didn't realise he was like that with everyone because that's been the most common thing that people have said. He made you feel like you were the most important person in yeah, the world. just a great, generous guy. You know, um, we years ago, oh, I don't know, about three years ago now, I did a breakfast radio show with Matt Tilly and we used to have Shane's youngest daughter, Summer, who now everyone knows is just a hilarious legend. We used to have her on the show once a week and at that stage she's a child, so how we got away with that, I don't know. But, well, because both of her parents are great and they said, yeah, all right, if you want to. Oh, yeah. So she was about 16 and yeah. – um, She's And one time we asked her, and I can't remember why this came up, we said, when's the last time you saw your dad cry? And all of this was sanctioned by her dad. Yeah. He was like, yeah, just tell him whatever you want. And she said, oh, God, it's a couple of weeks ago. And we said, why? Why did, she, why did Warnie cry? Oh, yeah. And she goes, oh, we're all on holidays in Fiji. <laughs> and he wanted us to watch Anchorman, all three of us kids. And we said, no, we're not watching that. And he, he got so angry, he cried. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my Christ, we laughed. And we laughed the whole scene of it, the just the dagginess of it. Just it was such a daggy dad moment. And her callousness oh. about it was so hilarious. I've oh, never was that I love it. Yeah. Anchor man. It's a good film. And he's going, it's a classic, you assholes. And I'll go, shut up, Dad. We're not watching Anchor Man. And I can Hilarious. just imagine the three kids as well when he's crying with that they kind were. of fist closed, rubbing their eyes. They were, going, Boo. they were going, are you crying? Are you crying over Anchor Man? He's going, shut up, shut up. I bring you to Fiji. I bring you. You know, it was all that. Hilarious. Uh, I love it. Let me give yeah. you another sporting name, Anthony Mundine. Oh, Chuck. I love him. Yep. He's a beautiful, sweet man. And uh, he, he, for me, he's that, you know, guy having spent a little bit of time with Chuck. I, and I call him Chuck because he calls himself Chuck. And um, I love him. I love Anthony the man. Mm. He's a beautiful man. I do. Uh, I do love him as well. Mm. And he, t- he ties himself up in knots a little bit when yes. he's speaking publicly. Uh, but yes. when you meet him in person, beautiful bloke. Yeah. David Warner. <sighs> Uh, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't it, know. I don't know enough about the bloke. I've never met him. It's a bit harder to warm to David Warner, it, exactly. I've got to say. I mean, there was Sandpaper Gate, and one thing that really stood out to me, three cricketers involved in Sandpaper Gate, they all came home. Steve Smith held a very teary press conference with his dad, clearly incredibly sorry for what he'd done and felt horrible. And the whole of Australia, who wanted to hang the three of them, mm. Just went, oh, yeah. oh, he's okay. All right, he's clearly sorry. The idea of winning got ahead of him, you know, but all right, it's okay. Then Cameron Bancroft, same thing, and everyone went, oh, look, he's clearly a good bloke. And then David Warner held his press conference and everyone just went, nah, <laughs> nah, yeah, not but, buying it. But to me that also says, you know, maybe I think he's had a tough life and I think that um, just because his reaction to that shameful, humiliating situation wasn't to cry, doesn't mm. make him a bad bloke. I think that's his, rea- you know, that's his um, his walls coming up. Yeah, I, th- I think he tried to manufacture his response a bit too much as opposed to just letting it naturally happen. Yeah, but may- as I say, maybe that's just doing a true crime podcast. I've seen a lot of reactions to right. things and I try not to judge them. People have gone to jail for killing their kids because they didn't cry. So 
Yeah. I try not to judge people for, yeah. for, for trying to look tough in moments when they're actually crumbling inside. In know? fact, how often in crime is it the, the person shedding tears on day one that ended up doing the crime? Exactly. So true. Yeah. If ever I see someone close to a victim crying on day one, I always get sus. I'm like, oh. When you say someone, do you mean their husband? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, Novak Djokovic. Dickhead. Fuck with. Get the needle, you. <laughs> All right. It's what a grub. <laughs> it is time to move on to. That's the last time I was trolled, by the way, for calling him a grub. For, oh, yeah, I copped a bit for getting stuck into Novak Djokovic as well. Mm. What a, He is mm. an absolute flight. I tell you what, the stat of the world that he believes he exists in, he was in lockdown two years ago in Adelaide yeah. and he sent a list of demands to Tennis Australia. He did it again this year. He did it. Like, you're, yeah. the, you're the hostage, mate. He did it again this That's year. It's not how it works. In Melbourne. No, I know. He's a flog. Um, the, you know, the only silver lining to that was it brought some attention to those poor asylum seekers who have been locked up in that same hotel for Nine years and years, years and years. Yeah. The only silver lining. Uh, okay. Time for fuckwit of the week. This week, it goes to Bob Catter. Can you believe it? <laughs> only this week? <laughs> only this week. Now, there are some timing issues with this pod. We realise it's coming out a little later than the date on which we're recording it. Uh, but in the last week... Uh, at the date of recording, Bob Catter came out and said that every Australian child over the age of 13 should be given a gun. <laughs> he says, how are we going to defend this country? You've got no fuel, you've got no petrol, you've got no missiles, you've got no army. And there's so many crocodiles. <laughs> I remember that. When he, remember that? That was the same sex, uh, yeah. the, the marriage act. He said, "Why? Well, I'm not going to give it any thought mm. while people in northern Queensland so, are being eaten by crocodiles. So Is that what crocodiles, he said? Something like that. He just kind of snapped in the middle of a sentence and, and got kind of teary about people, crocodiles. People are being torn apart torn by crocs apart. in northern Queensland. <laughs> are they? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, he wants to give all the kids guns because he's worried about Russia and China. Yes. Do you think that's a smart move, Michelle? Um, not my kids. <laughs> no. I don't think. I don't think that would be very smart. No. I don't think it's a good move. No, I mean they're not allowed to use a stove unsupervised, so <laughs> I don't think they need firearms. They don't need AK forty seven. No. Fuckwits in history. You might be surprised by my nomination this week, King Louis the Fourteenth. Hey, woo! The child king of France. Oh, but his furniture's delightful. Fashion icon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know France is a world leader when it comes to fashion, and yeah. they say you can trace that back to uh, King Louis. Partly the reason I'm nominating. I'm nominating him for two reasons. One, he. How do you go with high heels? By the way, love him. Do you? Love. Oh, my wife hates high heels. Does she? Yes, she just finds them annoying and uncomfortable. Yeah, but she and loves cushions and I don't like cushions. Yeah, okay, well, there we so. go. She's more of a Doc Martin kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Louis XIV uh, popularised and made high heels really what they are today. But he wore them. He liked them for men as well, which I love. Well, initially they were worn by men because Mm. high heels were invented for people riding horses. Oh, of course. So you could get a grip on the stirrups. Yeah, and your foot didn't slide through. And your foot didn't slide through. Mm. And because you needed money to have a horse, if you were wearing heels, it meant you were rich. Yes. Uh, and then they he cottoned onto them. He said, "The higher, the redder, the more powerful oh, the wearer." Stunning. So <laughs> he's been called the most famous heel wearer in history. Mm. And in 1670, he passed a law when he was just 30 years of age, uh, saying that only nobility could wear high heels. Mm. 
and then uh, and then women started wearing them about a hundred years later. Yeah, but when did they start shaving their pubes? So, <laughs> that happened in the last twenty years. Mm. But I'm more passionate about the fact that he also popularised the necktie. Ah! Yes, he saw a bunch of Croatian mercenaries uh, on parade at age seven, by the way, mm. uh, and they were wearing cravats. Stunning. And he went, they look pretty cool. I want one of those. And then over, over his reign of 72 years, the cravat sort of fashioned itself into what we know now as the necktie. Neckties are funny things, aren't they? They're so oh, no. pointless. They're just like, mm. It's ridiculous. And when you've got a fat neck like me, it's hard to get a shirt where you can do the top button up. Is it? Yes. Or if I get a shirt where I can do the top button, the rest of the shirt is massive. Oh. It's like a bloody. That's like if you um, lucky enough to be busty like me. Yes. Um, it's hard to get a shirt that does up around the bust oh, that isn't then huge everywhere else. If you're right. Yeah, that's – but um, it, you dismissed my pubes comment really quickly and I want you to know that oh, the yeah. French were oh. the first to shave pubes. Oh, were they? French prostitutes so that they would look younger. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, this. you need to know that. Right. And so that's why the other Frenchies right. don't shave their pubes to this day because they're like, I ain't no prostitute. Oh, so it's yeah. got a prostitution thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. I, I, well, I, well, I wasn't aware of yeah. that. Fashion's a funny old thing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, one minute the king's wearing heels, so everyone goes, oh, uh, I've got to get heels. The next minute, you know, the Kardashians have got big asses, so we go, oh, uh, I've got to have a big ass all of a sudden. Yeah. And then you're saying to your boyfriend, does my ass look big in this? And he's like, I don't know what to say about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say yes or no, and then I'm going to have pubes or not. I don't know. Is this France? Is and then it's like, you know, it's hard. It's, it's difficult. Mm. Tattoos are an interesting one as well because mm. tattoos, when I was a teenager, if you had a tattoo, that meant you were ready for a fight. Yes, yeah. It was like it was tough guys, rebels. Right. And it was, now. It was either rock and roll mm. or tough guys. Yeah. That were tough women. And now tattoos are for mums. My kids are like, oh, yeah. God, as if you get a tattoo, it's such a Karen move. Was it David Beckham? Was that the turning point? Beck's got tats Ooh. and then everyone went, all right. Tats I don't know, cool. but who were who were the women like? You know, Pink was she? I guess there was someone before Pink. Pamela Anderson was she? Uh... Oh, but she had bogan tattoos. Like she's got barbed wire around yeah. her arm. <laughs> Bless. I know. King Louis the Fourteenth. Congratulations, yeah. you are this week's fuckwit in history for creating the necktie, which men mm. around the world hate. No, that's silly. Fictional fuckwits. Seinfeld fan. Yeah, of course. Is it safe to say that the four cast members in Seinfeld, and I love Seinfeld as well, by the way, uh-huh. are the worst people in the world? <laughs> <laughs> and they are, by any definition, fuckwits. Oh. So my question is, why do we love them? Ah, uh, yeah, okay. I'm with, yeah, I kind of get that. Because, then... you know, I mean, George, look, yeah, yeah, his George. fiance died from licking cheap envelopes that he bought and then he was over the moon yeah. when she finally died. I mean, Jerry phoned in a bomb threat to Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Elaine broke up with a guy because he was going to prison and she was worried about his impending baldness. <laughs> uh, Kramer burnt down Leap and Larry's and the cabin in the woods. I mean, and the, the list of crimes was uh, yeah, detailed yeah. in the final episode actually when they had to go to court. Mm. Um, but they, you know, George trampled an old woman when escaping a fire at a kid's party. They're horrible, horrible people. But we love them. I know. It's so wonderful. But, it, and I still love Larry David. I mean, you know, the, then you take it to the next level yes. to, curb, to curb your enthusiasm. And that's like it, it's it's next levelling it. It's like, yeah, this is – you thought Seinfeld was being easy on you. Yeah. 
Now I'm being real with you <laughs> and I'm saying this is actually who I am. I mean, it's kind of who you want, who you are in your heart, isn't it? It's it's what you think. Yes. And then you, and then your social conditioning kicks in, and you go, "Well, I can't actually say or do that." <laughs> but it's what I want to say or do. Because we've all thought I could phone in a bomb threat that'd sort that little oh, problem out. God, but of course, we great? don't do it. No, no. But on Seinfeld, they do it. Yeah, yeah. Is it also that I mean, Jerry is kind of successful in Seinfeld. And Elaine's vaguely successful, but is so George is it very is it, successful? Is it George? George is still a loser. Is that why we still? I think they're all really successful, even though they're assholes. Even though yeah. even Kramer's successful, even though he's not rich and he doesn't have a job, but he's he's got a roof over his head. He's yeah. happy. He's he he eats. He's got partners. He's got you know, like they're all really successful. Oh, yeah. Elaine's always got great jobs. She's got beautiful clothes, beautiful hair. Yeah, she's got. Got boyfriends. Yeah. They're all successful. <laughs> They've all done. Yeah, they George all... has got great jobs. He sleeps George, under his desk. He, he works at, yeah, he works for the Yankees. He works for the Yankees. Yeah. He gets away. They get away with everything. That's what I love about yes. them. All of them is like they get away with everything. Even Jerry says, I always come out even. I'm going to throw $20 oh, out the yes. window. <laughs> it will come back to me. And I think of that a lot. I feel like I always come out even as well. Yeah. Uh, we're, look at us, you oh. and I. We're so lucky. We are living such a great life. Mm. Like some days we're up, some days we're down. But look at us. I do. I, I agree. I do feel like even Stevens. Yes. I remember watching that episode thinking, yeah, I do feel a bit even Stevens. Same. He had in that episode, he had a gig cancelled, then he got another gig. And that's happened. The number of times that's happened to me Same. is extraordinary. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so. Who are you putting fingers at, mate? For, uh, well, I'm saying. Uh, we... Seinfeld characters, come on, get over it. <laughs> Look at you and me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're not fuckwits then. Nuh-uh. It's time for a deep dive into fuckwits. The topic today, Michelle Laurie, social media trolls. Oh, have gosh. you... Uh, well, I know you have. You've had your fair share over the years, haven't you? I have. And I, I left Twitter because it was just... I just couldn't handle it anymore. I had a yeah. bit of a... Uh, well, I'm going to say a bit of a breakdown, but really it was because I just had so much going on in my real personal life. My father was dying and he was living with us. Mm. And so I realised that there, when you have a lot going on in your actual life, that's when Twitter trolling can really get on top of you. Yeah. And you just take it so much more seriously. Mm. And uh, something that I said on another on a podcast that was taken out of context and reported as <laughs> Georgie Gardner stopped me from killing myself, which is a bit of an over <laughs> a bit of an overreaction. She didn't actually do that. Right. Um, but she's a really nice lady, but yeah. it wasn't that exactly. But what I was trying to say was that um, I remember when Charlotte Dawson was always fighting with trolls, right, on yes. Twitter. And I was one of those people who used to say to her, Charlotte. Just like, don't, just ignore them. Who cares? Mm. Don't, don't, you know, give them oxygen, all those things. And I could never understand why she engaged as much um, and why she cared. And then I realised later when it was happening to me that, as I said, when your real life is so hard, suddenly what's happening online becomes much more, becomes real, uh, somehow realer and much more troubling. So it becomes amplified because yeah, of so you're feeling fragile in your yeah. In your real life. Yeah, and it felt like everywhere I – it felt just realer. And everywhere I went, I, I would be – it felt like people were looking at me in, in the street and hating me. It felt like it was 
real, yeah, right. real, real, real worldy stuff. And also for the first time in my life, someone approached me at the shops about something that people were trolling me about. So you did they troll you? Yeah. Yeah, they approached me and said, well, hey, why did you say that about Margaret Court? And I was like, oh, oh shit, oh this is actually real life. Is this and after our interview with yeah. Margaret Court on the project? Yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing. Like I think this this is being spoken about a lot now and I think that it will become a thing is that we, or certainly I, didn't receive any support from our workplace. Like yeah. I was given questions to ask a lot of times that, I, I didn't think up or whatever. They would say, can you ask this question? I'd go, sure, that's my job. And I would ask a question mm. on television. And then I would be trolled hardcore for weeks about that and abused online. And nobody from the production ever checked in to see if I was okay or supported me in any way. Like I was just expected to deal with that. Mm. And I think that really and truly moving forward, as we say, there, there needs to be some kind of support for people on television and in in public when they're being trolled for a workplace thing like that. Uh, absolutely. Particularly in that circumstance yeah. where often you do ask questions. Or say things but, or at the, you, at the last moment someone yeah. goes, can you fill these eight seconds and say something? And you just go, okay, blah, and you blurt yeah. something out and then you pay for it so Harshly. So, Margaret Court, why are you such a tool? You definitely want me to ask her that. Could that you? Question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll say that. I guess. Okay, I was, yeah, I mean, the Margaret Court was a massive fallout because yeah. we really gave her a whack. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and quite rightly, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, also, the, but also, there's an interesting thing with trolling. There's four of us on that panel, but I bet the trolling we received wasn't equal across yeah. the four of us either. Yeah. But also no. then it gets picked up by the mainstream, by like news.com.au and they have this fun trick they do where they go, wow, have you seen how Michelle Laurie is getting really hated uh, on her social media? <laughs> so that alerts a lot of people who don't follow me uh, yes. who go, oh, really? And then they jump over and have a look and then they start trying. So you cop an extra couple of tens of thousands of people yeah, yeah. coming over to just mm. troll you. And I see them do that to people all the time. Now, if you watch like Julia Zamiro copped it a few months ago for something. So that's this fun little code they have where they then create this whirlwind or exacerbate it. And and then they can keep reporting on it. And they can, and in very and it just makes it worse yeah. and worse and worse. Instead of it's like when people someone does a tweet that they regret and they'll delete it, but someone will have screenshot oh, it and yes. then they'll put the screen. Can you believe what this person said? Well, if you didn't screenshot it, you dickhead. Right. Then it wouldn't be. And then they'll report it and then that sends all these other people who would <laughs> never have known about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Adam Rosenbachs did a tweet that he regretted a few years ago that it was around soccer, so it was, it was a global. Oh, yeah. It was global. And he said it got really bad for him, but he said he got to know – he knew when the different time zones kicked yes. in around the world because yeah. he'd start getting insulted, you know, or death threats in Spanish. And you and can't get them in yeah. as, the, as people around the world woke up, the new wave of trolling would come and in. And you can't apologise. You can't. Absolutely not. There's nothing. He was even on The View. Wow. Husey was watching The View somewhere and he, Rosie's tweet came up. And he's, got, he's on The View? What the hell is happening? And he, the tweet he did, he deleted after about five minutes. Of course. But you can't. There's no. There's no. Yeah. There's no apologising. There's no um, owning it and going. I was wrong. I was misinformed. There's nothing you can say that will fix it. 
And particularly if you're a lefty, um, the left will turn on you harder than anybody. If you're yeah. on the right wing, they will all support you. They will all jump in. If you're Israel Folau or Alan Jones, doesn't matter. They will all jump on and go, hey, oh, woo, free speech. Um, yeah. You all back off. On the left, everybody wants to be the leftist. So they'll jump on and go, oh, God, Michelle Laurie, it turns out she's a racist Karen. It turns out she's transphobic. Oh, I should have known. So they're the first ones to jump on and shit can you and try and cancel you. Uh, so it's like very lonely. Bill Maher has said for years that the right know how to play a team game. The left are hopeless. So at it. true. Yeah. It's a very lonely place to be. Uh, well, let's find out a little bit more with our expert in media and communications from the University of Melbourne, Dr. Jennifer Beckett. Welcome Woo. to Don't Be a Fuckwit. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having me on. <laughs> uh, you are an expert in social media, which of course involves trolls. Can you give us, first of all, because people in their minds, I think, have a profile of a troll being... Dorky dude, sitting in his basement, got no mates, and he's just on the computer all day. What is, do we have a profile of trolls these days, or what are the categories of troll that we have? Oh, wow. Okay. So trolling is actually a really broad church, and it starts out with basically like people doing things like rickrolling, so just sort of general shit stirring, right. all <laughs> the way through to somebody like publishing all of your details online, or, you know, in the US we see swatting, where they send a SWAT team into yes. someone's home. So, and so, uh, it's, so it's a huge church. So hang on. So just explain swatting again. So swatting is when somebody calls the police. It usually, we don't it doesn't so much happen in Australia, but it does happen right. in the US where they call the police and say that a, a serious crime is taking place and then the SWAT team turns up to your house and breaks into your house and there's real fears that then people can actually be killed as a part of this process. Yeah. Oh, my God. So if someone wanted to, someone could do it, see if they had my home address, they could say there's a crime happening at blah, 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 yeah. and they just come and break into my house while I'm cooking dinner yeah, with the five-year-old. We say, like, we say yeah. like there's a gunman. In, at this address. And so they don't just break, like they smash in the doors. And, and they, they're they fully armed yeah. and, and they have a tendency to shoot first and um, ask questions later. Because <laughs> yeah. we know how reasonable <laughs> American police yeah, can right. be. Yeah, right. You're chopping carrots. They're like, he's got a knife. <laughs> he's got yeah, a exactly. Knife. Oh, yeah. On the ground. Yeah. The kid's got a, that's a, that's a lightsaber. Forget on the ground. Yeah, mm. and that, that sort of behaviour, things like doxing, has actually caused people to have to move homes, to have their entire internet histories wiped, oh. to start new banking. So it's, it can be a really big thing. Mm. And so I think one of the things that we need to be really conscious of, and this is, I think, something that Michelle was picking up on, is that we have this in, thing in our mind where trolling just happens online. But actually trolling behaviours bleed over into the real world and can cause real, real world harms to people, not just psychologically, mm. but people can lose jobs. All sorts of things can happen. There have been cases of stalking. So, yeah, it's a very serious thing. And so I think... Mm. Wow. Maybe using even the word trolling can be problematic because I think what it does is people go, oh, it's just, a, it's just an online troll. But really what's happening is if this were happening in real life, you would call the police. Yeah. So is your – because traditionally to my mind the advice around trolling is just ignore it. Is that is – that your? would that be your advice to people? Well – 
My advice would be it depends on what kind of trolling you're getting. Yeah, like sure. if, if there's just a bit of a pile on, then like my advice is hit mute <laughs> and like take it as an opportunity to block as many humans as you possibly can yeah. that you don't want to have interacting with you. Yeah. But if mm. it's becoming something really big and it's, you know, very targeted, for example, so we see instances where there's organized trolling. So people will actually deliberately be attacking certain people for a certain intent. So that can be really problematic. And so people are, are doing things like flaming like big pylons, but it's it's organised centrally. So I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. That can happen. Um, but otherwise, I would just say it's a, it's a mute and block moment. Ginger mm. Gorman's written a great book called Troll Hunter and um, she talks about lots of things from like the fact that the, the man who did the, the shooting in New Zealand, the mosque shooting, yeah. he was considered a troll. So there's that, that connection between the racist trolling and actual violent crime. But also she, she talks about a growing concern that women in the media are being silenced by trolling. What yeah, do you think about that? That is actually a real problem. And in fact, the um, Women in Media organisation here in Australia have actually done quite a bit of discussion around this. And you did touch on it because I will make a bet that Michelle was the person who copped the most trolling from that um, that incident. And that is basically because women mm. are, are better targets. And if you're a woman of colour, even worse. Mm. So there's yeah. a lot of research that's done that shows that if you're a woman, a person of colour or queer on the internet, you are more likely to cop trolling. Since she told yeah. me that, I've really noticed just lately a number of ABC, female ABC journalists have announced that they have, you know, gotten off social media, closed down their social media accounts because of trolling. Yeah, and the ABC does cop a lot. I actually used to work there. I used to work in social media at the ABC. So I've actually mm. seen some pretty horrific pylons there. Um, and the ABC actually does have a really good amount of support that they give to their mm. staff. They have special training um, they have debriefing. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. So, I mean, I think they would probably be one of the best institutions for for helping staff in those situations. But mm. at some point, it's not a huge amount you can do. Uh, indeed. I, The worst I've ever had from a trolling perspective was we did a story on the project about greyhound racing. Yeah. And I, I, said, and I just said, oh, look, the sooner they bring an end to greyhound racing, the better. Bring an end to it. And you were trolled for that. For weeks weeks that the, the gray and you know trolling's never been a massive issue for me i mean I always get you know people always say you're not funny or whatever but it's never been, been particularly personal you know but these but the greyhound trolling was intense for about two days and then it continued trailed for about three weeks i was still getting stuff after a while that's a that's a powerful angry group of people or a highly motivated group of people. Yeah, I think yeah. that that's it. When it is organised and people are highly motivated to go after a particular topic, then, I mean, you still can't um, write Gamergate on Twitter without getting <laughs> jumped on. So, I mean, and that's partly because a lot of those trolls are actually trolling bots. They're not even human. So uh, I was going to ask this question because I've noticed before when I've had certain comments before, I'll go and look at the profile of the account and it'll be uh, no followers and they follow one person or something. And I think, is that a real person or is that a computer-generated comment from a bot? That is most likely a bot, yeah. Okay. So, you know, and we hear a lot about Russian bots upsetting elections and all sorts of things. So is there someone sitting there just creating thousands of fake accounts that automatically generate disparaging comments? Yeah, we call those troll farms. 
There's a troll. There's a troll wow. farm. See, I pictured a troll farm, the little thing with the long hair. <laughs> Lots of bridges. <laughs> Lots of bridges. <laughs> yeah, just like a lot of people uh, hanging out. Them. But there are troll farms. What? And okay, so what's motivating? So someone who creates a troll farm, what's their motivation generally? Well, I mean, one thing we know about the kinds of people who do that very serious trolling is that they're very home, what we call the dark tetrad of personality oh my God. Uh, disorder. Yeah, so that's the Machiavellianism, the narcissism, psychopathy. I can never remember the fourth one for some reason. Yeah, right. So if you think about like some of the, the worst personality traits that would sit in the DSM as antisocial personality disorders, yeah. that's what we're looking at. Are they sound? Are they the guys in their mum's basement with no yeah. jobs? That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. They probably are the ones in yeah. there. Yeah, they're definitely the kind that you know it bleeds a lot into into real life. Mm. But yeah, so a lot of people who are doing troll farms sitting there. But also a lot of people are employed by governments to create that kind of stuff. So it is a form of actual um, cyber warfare at some point as okay. well. Are we getting better at getting on top of trolls? Are, let's start with social media organisations, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Are they getting better at controlling the troll problem or is it just getting worse and worse? I would say it's actually getting worse and yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not necessarily because they're not getting better at controlling it. It's simply because of scale. If you think of yeah. like moderating in a small online community, you know, you've got say 250 people, you can get in there, you can moderate, you can stop behaviours. But if you've got something like Facebook, which currently has millions and millions and millions of members or Twitter or even on TikTok these days, there's trolling behaviours on TikTok. So, you know, that is moderation at scale and it takes an awful lot of people to do that. We yeah. still use human moderation, mm. so we have to worry about the impacts of the people who are doing that. But also it comes down to the kinds of community guidelines and the ways in which those are interpreted. Before social media, what did trolls do? Did they go door to door and abuse people? Did they just yell at people in the street? Man, they wrote letters to the editor. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, oh, right. yeah. Oh, the letter yeah. to the editor. I still, you know what, I open the paper these days I, and they have letters to, I, think, I, I love that people I are still that. sending letters in. But also don't editor. you think social media has created trolls who would not, have been before because I often, I mean, I would even just get messages from people and I'd think, you know, these are the conversations we used to have on the couch when I was a kid. You would never, like my Mm. mum didn't have the capacity to to contact Denise Drysdale and let her know that she looked fat in that dress or that she didn't like her new haircut or whatever, whereas now people can just send you that message and they do for some reason. And they do. It's like, why are you telling me that? Why, yeah, why would you say? Why? And also appearance. For women, yeah, in, absolutely. In media Again, is, yeah, is massive. I know. I love you. They'll say, "I love you, babe," but you, but never wear that again. You look hideous. Where's just say why? The, just say the first bit. Just get out at I love you, babe. Yeah, get out. End message. Or you used to be funny, but now you're just a real bitch. <laughs> like why? why? That's the sort of things my mum would say on the couch when I was a kid. So it's mm. created that. Sure. Yeah, I think that what it is is that it's taken down the sort of psychological barrier, or yeah. actually the actual barrier to yeah. to doing that, because yeah. your mum could say it on the couch, but it's not like she could walk up to yeah. Denise Drysdale in the street and say it. And so. There is a thing that we talk about called the online disinhibition effect, which is a very fancy way of saying when you've got a screen between you Mm. and a person, you're more likely to say something than you are if they were in person with you. Uh, 100%. I mean, I've met a guy before who came up to me and started talking to me and he was really friendly. We got on really well. And he was saying some nice things to me. 
And then eventually goes, oh, there's something I have to admit. I go, what's that? He goes, mm, I've trolled you quite a few times on social media. And I went, oh. But he disarmed me first, perhaps not deliberately, but he had disarmed by being friendly mm. to start with. And then I just kind of went, my wife was with me. She was angry immediately. But I just kind of went, oh, okay, have a good day. And, yeah. th- and that was that. I it was once, very strange. I once made the decision to message back a person to try and get into, okay, what's yeah. going on here? Mm. And it was fascinating. What we got to was he was a, a middle-aged man who was very lonely. He's, he was divorced, living alone in country somewhere in Australia. Um, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm just really, I really hate you on Spicks and Specs because I want to I wanna hear more about music. Oh, God. <laughs> I love that show. I love, I love the music questions and I hate the comedians. So you're copping it. This is like 15 years after that show stopped recording but it's still on TV. And yeah. so then he saw me on the project or something and thought, I'm going to tell her that she's a fat, ugly, not funny, blah, 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 and just sent me the most hideous messages for days and days and that's what we got to. He was sad and lonely and wishes there was more musicians on Spicks and Specs. It, it, were you glad you did the deep dive? Yeah, totally. Kind of, it's interesting, yeah. Because then he apologised. You know, we had this discourse and he was apologised and said, I'm sorry, I'm just really lonely. Mm. And then he ended up sitting next to you on a train. Oh, if and only. <laughs> no. No, but, yeah, you know. So, I mean, if we can yeah. see that far and go, this is what we tell our kids to do every day when they're bullied at school, isn't it? Mm. You know what, babe, bullies are always sad. You've just got to try and yeah. remind yourself of that, but it's really hard. It says more about them than it, oh, says, of course about, it, does. Than it says about you. But it's still hard. Yeah. So what, what is the, what's, the, what's the pathway forward with our, with our trials? Actually, sorry, before I, we go to that question, is there a social media platform that has uh, where trolls are more prevalent than others? Because from my personal experience, I find Instagram to be generally pretty friendly. So I was going to say, I, I'm off all social media except Instagram, and yeah. it's it's life-changing. It's and, such a nicer life. Uh, Facebook, I'm not on heaps, but there's definitely, I've experienced trolling in Facebook. Yeah. But Twitter's the worst, in, in my experience. I feel like Twitter is probably the worst because there's a certain amount of immediacy to it. You fire off a very quick message mm. and there's not a lot of context on Twitter where there's more context on Instagram and a little bit more context again on Facebook. So it's easier for people to sort of think and, and also often because it's, you know, if you're going to post on Facebook, you're going to like, you can post something really long, whereas on Twitter it's oh, like yeah. that immediate thought in your head. And also because the Twitter stream yeah. moves so much faster mm. because it is designed to be kind of like being at like a, at a, um, a cocktail party. So yeah. it is just like, it's that rapid fire kind of stuff. So it, I think it can seem perhaps like there's more of it because there's a little bit less control about how fast things pop up. Is there something about a photo on Instagram that's disarming if people can see? That's a really good question. And also I feel like the conversation's very linear on Instagram. It's about the photo. It stays about that. Whereas on Twitter, it, it switches and changes. And there's something about that. It's just become a very combative 
um, environment. I feel like I know that when I go into Twitter, I know it's combat. I, I, I sort of have my, <laughs> I have that attitude that I'm going into combat. You're ready for a blow. In that environment. Yeah, I'm ready. And people, you know. Facebook's but, a little bit the same, actually. For women, I find it's really mm. aggressive women on Facebook, actually. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. In my photo, I'm expecting someone to have a red, red hot crack at me about my, you know, chest of drawers in the background or something. Like, it's really. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, or what, oh. what's in my kid's lunchbox or something. I'm like, all right, bring it, bitches. Bring it. Don't be – again, we go back to the title of the podcast. Don't be a fuckwit, yeah. people. Don't be a fuckwit. I uh, recently on Twitter, uh, after Will Smith punched Chris yeah. Rock, I went on to Instagram and I just did a stupid joke about the match review panel in the AFL. <laughs> I said they've come out and said it was uh, deliberate high contact with medium impact. Uh, they've <laughs> banned <laughs> Will Smith for two Oscars, right? Right. And then someone writes back, uh, nice theft of joke, dickhead, Uh-oh. and they screenshotted someone else who'd done a vaguely similar joke, not the same joke, mm-hmm. about half an hour before mine. It's like, mate, just, mate, it's don't... like these self-appointed Twitter police, yeah, uh, Twitter joke police. That's what I'm saying. Which that's happened to me on so many occasions yeah. where they must trawl through yeah. for jokes. Anyway, don't be a fuckwit. Don't be a, a fuckwit is our message. What is our, Dr. Jennifer Beckett, what is our pathway forward? We want to we want to give people some takeaways here who are wanting to know what the future holds as regards trolls. What does the future hold for trolls? Well, I think we'll still have them because, yes. you know, bullying and, and, and trolling behaviours are part of human nature. So if you really think about it, what happens online is the same thing that, that happens on, mm. on the thing. The only problem is online, of course, you can't escape your bullies. And so that is part of what makes it worse mm. because you bring your bullies home with you. Right? Yeah. So I think what we're probably going to be seeing is a little bit more education around literacy, around social media literacy and um, media literacy is probably going to be very useful mm. because it stops people from sort of like having that immediate thing and, and just, just sort of telling them what happens. But there's also new technological things that social media companies are starting to put in to try and create a circuit breaker between the moment you have that idea to send something to somebody and sending it. And they're starting to do things like have a look at the content of a tweet, for example, or a content of a message mm. and say, hey, this looks a little bit like trolling or this looks, are you, are you sure you want to send this? Oh, okay. And that can have just that, that's been shown to have a moment with people where they go, oh, hang on. Mm, yeah, maybe maybe right. not. And so on. there's a specific community uh, platform called Neighbourhood and they actually brought this into place and they saw an increase in civility across all of their communities on that social media platform right. as a result of just one little circuit breaker. So an online version of counting to 10. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I like it. Well, uh, Dr. Jennifer Beckett from the University of Melbourne, thank you very much for your insights. They are greatly appreciated. And sadly, it seems, Michelle Laurie, trolls are here to stay. Yeah, well, I kind of knew that. All we can say to them is, don't be a fuckwit. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Don't Be a Fuckwit. Uh, please leave us a review. Tell your friends about the pod. And five stars. You gotta you gotta ask specifically. Oh for yes. Five stars. We please. want five stars. Michelle Laurie, yes. thank you. No worries. What podcast are you doing at the moment? Let's have a list, because I know it's more than one. Well, really at the moment it's Australian True Crime. Yes. I'm just focusing back on Australian True Crime. Um I think that's it. And and, and Emily's killer content where she interviews authors of crime fiction. Oh yeah. Which is great. Just focusing back on that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, get on to that on, uh, on iTunes. 
mm-hmm. and all good podcast platforms out there. Rate mm. it, give it five stars. And remember, don't be a fuckwit. Listener.